0: You are listening to a sermon series from Open Door Fellowship Church. Thank you guys so much. Good morning, everyone. Thank you guys. Um, first things first, back at the soundboard, um, turning 49 today, Mark Stewart. Mark Stewart. Come on. It, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a couple weeks ago, um, I turned, uh, it was my birthday, and um, I turned 65. So um, you who are whining about, what's that? Still wet behind, you still wet behind you. Yes, says a man who's 62, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you guys who whine about, oh, I'm... Turning forty, try sixty-five on. It, it is, uh, I got my Medicare card. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Thank you. I put it in a pouch uh, on the side of my walker, and it's just. Uh, <laughs> it's really. I don't know. I haven't used it yet, but it's. It's great to have one. Um, well, it's a. It's a pleasure and an honor to be back at Open Door in. In. Uh, just here and get to preach in this Romans 12 series. I think this has been the, the passage that I use in every wedding that I do. So I think I've probably read this passage and kind of taught a little bit from it, maybe 200 and some times. Um, but I am taken back this week by how much fervency and emotion and demand and self-sacrifice is called out by our lives in Christ. Man, oh man, you guys. I, I don't know what you've got. I think I've got the New American Standard. I've got a bigger Bible right now. Uh, it's large print, but the part about the New American Standard apparently is not in the large print. Anyways, I think it's the New American Standard. Uh, whatever you're using, go to chapter 12, verses 9 and I'm going to go as far as verse through verse 11. So Romans chapter 12. Gosh, listen to this. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Hate. Abhor what is evil. Cleave to what is good. Be devoted to one another with brotherly love. Prefer one another in honor. Do not be lazy in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I read that this week and I I thought, whoa, scriptures, when did you get all intense and stuff? (laughs) Let's calm down here. Come back to where I live. Come on, come down to my level. It really shocked me because I had gotten this all down to a thing that I tell people in their weddings, and I realized, wait, whoa, this is to all of us and to me. I remember when I first became a Christian, I had thought, I have waited for this life for so long. Because I, I had gotten beaten up by evil in the world. and And here was a place that said, The order of this society is we hate evil, and we cling to what's good. And I thought, I'm home, I'm safe. All of these words, they were so important to me. So what happened? Over time, over time, I don't know. But I know that these words shocked me again with their fervency. So it's great to ask the question where are you with these verses right now? Where are you? I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more where I am with these verses. Let love, let your love continue. No, no, not continue. Let it be with hypocrisy, without it. Hate what is evil, cleave to cling to what's good, be devoted to each other. With brotherly love, prefer one another in honor, don't be lazy in diligence, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Do those sound like impositions, like, like whoa, 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 we're way past that. We don't do that anymore. We, we're kind of, we listen to preachers on radio and we don't, we come sometimes here and sometimes we don't, we're not that into the community thing. And does this express you? Or does this seem irrelevant? Or uh, maybe, maybe hippies back in the 70s when they came to Christ, they lived like this. But, but no, it's kind of irrelevant now for us. A little cheesy. Um. Oh, man. My only illustrations are ever about coats, it seems like. Um... Can we all just admit what you're thinking? I look so good in this coat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know I look good in this coat because uh, Bill Thrall told me I look good in this coat. He said, John, you look so good in And Grace dresses him well. So I, I love this coat. I, I have asked Stacy for a cream-colored sports coat most of my life, and I've had it for a couple of years, and I, I just love it. So let this represent... Um, the essence of Christ in John Lynch. Christ in John Lynch, robed with righteousness. If we could have that picture. And so, on one hand, um, the essence of Jesus Christ is working in you to keep these verses uh, fresh, alive, alive. True, real, beautiful, authentic. Th- th- this life of Christ in you bubbles up to have these words be fresh and true. Um, but there are other factors in the equation. The world's very system is working against these verses. The, the um, media things that you watch and see, things around you. There is a system, there is an actual world system that's uh, way beyond political or present tense people in office or anything else. It's a system that is uh, spiritual, and it's dark, and it's working against you. It's trying to dull you out from those verses. Where, where Christ in me is, is dry-cleaning this and constantly working on this, that, that world system is um, doing that. And there is an evil one. He is real. He's, he's not a man in red tights. He's not a pretend. He's not an allegory. He's not a figure. He's not a, a concept. He's a real person. And he hates you. And he is working against these verses in you. And there is disappointment. Disappointment you experience that over time, hurt and confusion and disappointment, discouragement and things that you thought were going to go and dreams that didn't come true that um, work against these verses. And then there is the flesh. That active, living reality. And this dynamic that is inside you that is constantly working against this beauty. It, it too is working. They're trying to dull you. Compromise your heart and normalize what hurts you and others and become indifferent to goodness and Protect your self-interest instead of coming under and serving God himself. Uh, he doesn't say, it's interesting, he doesn't say in this passage, keep doing these things. You're doing them well. Keep on. He says, uh, basically, this passage presumes you might have been missing this for a while. I'm, I'm going to tell you, let love be without hypocrisy and so so I think of what he's saying the if I look at the opposite I can watch what those systems those four things are doing to me they're trying to rob me of this beautiful vibrancy of this Christ in me right now and I and so I think of the opposite of what he's saying he's saying I have to tell you these things because I've been watching you do the opposite And so Mark, put up those slides, that first slide. Um, I'm going to have to look this way, I can't, I'm getting old. Um, If the world system has its way, and evil and disappointment has its way, and the flesh has its way, um, you will fake, fake it and call it love. You will grow callously indifferent to evil. You will become relatively independent from good. You will find reasons to not love each other. You will demand that others honor you. You will slip into laziness, robbing you of sincere passion. And you'll get dull in your spirit and you'll be reduced to a life of self-serving. If you listen to Bill, if you listen to Caleb, if you listen to any of the preachers in this series, you will, uh, you will know that you cannot hear this passage as a call to shape up or to drum something up or to be more than you are. This is not an attempt of a moralization. I love that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. You have Christ in you. So this is not a a self-betterment project. This is who we are. These things are who we are. All of us. I don't care how I'm mature. I don't care where you've been or how much you've failed. This is who at your core, this is who you are. This is what Christ looks in us. This is what Christ looks with the coat dry cleaned and yet still linen. Oh my, this is what it looks like. Hit me with that next slide. The real you longs to love authentically. The real you is horrified by evil. The real you wants moral goodness around you always. The real you longs to cherish fellow believers. The real you would rather give honor than demand it. The real you longs to be intensely engaged. The real you craves to have your spirit burning hot. The real you longs, 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 longs to serve the Lord. So the new you is calling you out and calling out to you this morning. Jesus is calling out to you this morning. The Holy Spirit is arousing your heart this morning. And it's okay to grieve that you got off track. And it's okay to admit you got tripped up. God not ashamed of you. You are his favorite. The author of the Gospel of John thought he was. And you can pick right back up where you left off but do not pretend this is not the real you. Do not pretend that this is not you. Do not pretend that you can't live this way. Don't pretend this is religious talk and do not settle for a Christian life that you can do without Jesus in you. I love this passage. I I love it. I wanted to calm down a little bit. But I love it because it can't be lived out except supernaturally. It demands of us something more than we can accomplish through aught or strenuous self-control or moral obligation. We must discover how to tap into what exists in us. And do not pretend you can live this life without Jesus in you. I'm praying somebody in this room finds himself thinking during this passage, I don't have this. I can't do this. Am I? Maybe I haven't, maybe I don't know Jesus. I want this. I've never trusted Jesus. I want to today. I want this. Just like John said, I've waited for this all my life. I've waited for this all my life. I want Jesus. I'm praying there's some of you today uh, who believe that. All right, here we go. Let love be without hypocrisy. That's such an odd statement, because, wait, love can't be hypocritical, or it's not love. He, he's, it's exactly right. He's saying, don't kid yourself. Don't pretend that you're loving if you're putting on a mask. You're not. Whatever it is, it ain't love. He uses the word agapeo, agape, agape. Such a beautiful, beautiful, it really, you find hints of it in, in other places, in uh, Socrates and Aristotle's writings, but you never see it like this. It's, it's a purely biblical word. It's really, in the way it's being used, it's the first time being used in Scripture. Um, and it's, it's uh, John 13, 34. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you this commandment. New one, not the 11th as Bill says, but in a whole new order commandment I give to you that you love one another, that you agape one another, just as I've agaped you, that you will love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have agape for one another. It means um, to have an unconditional love for each other. Um, to love without merit. To love when a person has given you no merit in a long time to love without earning anything. To love simply because God says they are worthy of love. I want you to love that way. And I want you to do it without faking it. Hypocrisy is, it means literally, feigned, disguised, insincere, play-acted. Um, uh, You've heard me say it before that in those giant amphitheaters in in Greek culture and Greek time, um, actors were these, they they stood behind these giant poles with masks on them of love or kindness or mercy or uh, evil or uh, disdain or whatever. They had these giant masks and they portrayed their characters so that they could play all the way to the top row of the amphitheater. Um, And the actors were called hypocrites. That's what it means. To be a hypocrite is is to be an actor. And now it uses it in the worst sense that it can possibly say it. You're a faker. You're a pretender. Um, You're insincere. You're feigned. You're disguised. Well, first question, how how do you do this with people you don't like? but you have to be with. Well, um, they clearly are not people that you will get to love yet. You have to be polite, but you won't get to love them. But the ones you are given to love, he says, love them with a sincere heart. See, to the extent, I can say to Bubba all day long, James, I love you, and I do. I, I, I delight in you, but I almost never get to meet your needs. I, I never get to come by and cook anything for you. I, and, and don't think that hasn't been a point of contention. <laughs> but I can't say I deeply love you in the sense of need meaning because I don't get to meet your needs very much. Same thing with this woman. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> this is my wife. And I get to meet her needs a lot. And I get to say I love her like, nobody on this planet. That's, that's how it works. But there are a lot of people in my life that, that, um, that, that I want to love, should love, and want to pretend that I love. So, so uh, Thrall would say this better, but to the extent, hit me up with that, to the extent that you can meet needs, that's the extent that you get to love someone. You can have affection for another person, say you're, you're awesome and all those things, but to the extent that you get to meet needs, that's the extent that you get to love. So, so this passage is saying, for those you get to ag- agape, for those who are in your purview, in front of you, find out how to meet their needs instead of faking like you love them. Find out how to, how to start, figure out what they need. And then stay in the moment. Don't check out and pretend. It means to get to know each other so that you can be trusted, so that they can need you, so that you can meet a need. I've done this whole thing, this hypocrisy thing. I was a pastor, and I knew I was supposed to love people, and I didn't love a lot of people. I was still immature. I was still learning how to do this. And so... Um, I want to say I'm doing it less, by the way, these days. Because I'm learning to love more honestly. I'm old. Something ought to come with that. (laughs) Many of the issues that I've had, do you know they've vanished? Not all of them, for sure, but some of them have. uh, For all of its considerable downside, I highly recommend a stroke. Things just go away. Issues you had, they're gone. You can't remember your grandchildren's names, but still. But I've written and said words to people that I knew I should love but didn't like. I pretended, and you know what it does? It confuses them. Because they know what real love looks like, and you're telling them that you love them, but it doesn't feel genuine. God says, John, you don't understand. You have real love to give. When you fake it, you rob everyone. You take the hope out of believers and you convince folks who have not yet trusted Christ that this is all a game. So what do I do? What do I do when I come to grips with this? And this is going to be a little template that I'm going to use throughout the rest of the message and throughout the rest of my life. Um, Okay, first, um, I need to face, this is the scriptures and it's a mirror to me. I need to face, is this true about me? Have I been faking it? Have I been pretending a love that I do not have to individuals? Is that true about me? It's really, really great to get to ask that question and say, "Um, yep, that's true about me. If it's true, then repent. Except not the repentance that, that we were taught. No, turn a 180 and do better and stop being so bad and doubt, don't be that person who's bad. Be the person who's good. You, sir, repent. Change your way of thinking. Um, uh, how's that been working for you? It doesn't work. Repentance, because it doesn't mean that. it's, it's 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2.24, it says it's a gift. Repentance is a gift from God. It's to find yourself saying, well, I'm here again. I couldn't do it. I thought I could do it by myself. You apparently can do it. And so I need to say, um, I'm sorry. And I want to try again. But first I need to be clean because I got dirty in trying to do it by myself. And so God, um, can you do that redemption thing by what you did on the cross It is present tense active for me. Right now, if I just say, will you redeem me and cleanse me of this? He goes, done. Will you take over and and run this for me, in me? Oh, Oh, done. It's that fast. It's that real. It's that true. He did it at the cross, and he does it now, in the moment to moment, every single day. Face what's true about you? Gosh, I hate that that's true about me. I I want to uh, say to you, God, thank you for the gift of letting me see it. I believe your shed blood took care, not just to get me to heaven, but to deal with this. I believe it. I need your redemption. I need your cleansing. I need to feel clean again. Done. I need you in me now to face this. Done. And now go try out the real you. Go, go. Have a good, you're going to, You'll mess it up again, but it's okay. Same formula. Lather, rinse, repeat. Go, go. <laughs> Same template all the way through. So, let love be without hypocrisy. Next, hate what is evil. Hate it. Literally, abhor it. To have a horror of that which is evil. The Greek word means um, It's that feeling you have when you see an overweight man wearing a Speedo at the beach. It's that sense of horror. And you avert children's eyes. Ah! It's that. Only much worse. Um, It is to hate it. Because evil is what causes hurt and trouble. It is wickedness. It literally means vile with an intent to harm. And it is it is at the core of who you and I are, of our natures, to abhor all that is evil, for lovers can't stand what hurts others and breaks the heart of God. Evil is what put Jesus Christ on the cross. I hate it. I hate that. Second Corinthians uh, 521 says he had to become the evil that I was. He, God, made him Jesus who had never known any sin to actually become my stuff, my, my failure, my sin, my sickness so that John Lynch and Bubba and all of us who put our hope in Jesus would become the righteousness of Christ in him. So I hate it. I hate, first, it's okay for me to talk generally about hatred of evil, but it's more important for me to start it in what gets into, and this is where I I do this in the wedding service, what gets into your home? And so I'll say it now, to hate pornography. To hate it. Guys, women and men, I know that many, 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 many people in this room struggle with pornography and no longer deceived about that. And when it comes into your home, it does something. It, it uh, palpably, and yet without words, changes the um, atmosphere in your home because there's hiding and there's deceit and there's... Um, unfaithfulness that takes place in viewing pornography. By the way, um, um, there's a beautiful film out right now, The Heart of Man. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, We had a role in that movie, but it's the first time in a long time I've seen a movie that gives identity truths to the issue of sexual brokenness. Go see it. It's on Netflix now. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon, but you don't get the same front and after show footage. But go see The Heart of Man and buy the book with it. Buy the um, uh, study guide with it and go through it with a friend and face head on, face the issue of, gosh, this is true about me. God says, I know, kid. I know I'm not ashamed. I'm not disgusted. Let's face it. The evil, not just of pornography, but of rage and demeaning and tearing down that can come into my home. Or hiddenness. Or unforgiveness. Or unfaithfulness. I guess you have to hate it enough that it causes you to do something about the wrong means of pleasure. And then you'll face it. And we represent God well when we enter into the pain of what evil's doing around us. We get to be hurt and angry when we see the effects of poverty because of a government somewhere in the world that took advantage of its people. We get to be horrified at the puppet master behind the scenes that cause parents to scream at each other. We get to hate immorality and fidelity and not call it normal. We get to hate it enough to be actively involved in some means that we think can help. So hate what is evil. I have to face that. I have not hated what is evil. Gosh, well, I have to face that. And then I have to do that repentance deal. you. Oh, oh, by the way, just as in the first one, I get to actually then look and say, wow, who am I then? And in this one, the real you is horrified by evil. Now go out and try the real you. Next, uh, cleave to what's good. Ah, I love this. Good, good—that intrinsic moral good, that of that's of good nature, agreeable, joyful, happy, beautiful, life-giving, excellent, distinguished, upright, good. And 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 the word is—it says. Um, There's a relationship I want you to have with good. I want you to cling to it. I want you to cleave to it. Do you know what that means? Literally, to glue together. Wherever good is, you are. Wherever good is, you are glued to it. Nothing can separate you. You don't have seasons off from good. You want to be totally cement to fasten together. I love the one statement on it. To keep constant company with. So I think about it in this room. I want to illustrate it just by trying this out. I want to find someone who intrinsically represents goodness. Uh, I'm running out of time. No, I've seen you. You're not good enough. Joking, I don't know you. You, I know, though, put down your Bible for a second. You, young man. Young man thank you. Put your right arm in this sleeve. And I'll put in this. And wow. this, this is me getting to walk with goodness wow. all day long. Wow. It's not pretty. No. It's not pretty. All right? Not comfortable. No one says it's not comfortable to walk with goodness. But everywhere this cat goes, I go. We are glued together. Don't ever lose that picture. I feel the glueness. <laughs> I love you, brother. I love you, buddy. Thanks, man. Gosh, I'm glad he showed up. <laughs> so the exhausting work of love is to stay in the arena and love those who don't yet know how to return it. Sleep will come. You'll be exhausted sometimes by living this way of life. And so think about that. What would gluing yourself to goodness look like with your children? In the middle of the day, when they have trashed your entire living room again, how about at your job, about with your friends, in your political choices, in choices of health and healing, in getting outside yourself to imagine the good in this neighborhood, or your own? You know what's astonishing to me? Apparently, God thinks you can do this. He he actually is asking you to do it because he actually believes you have the capacity to do it. Oh, and you can tell um, those who have learned how to live this way, everyone wants to be around them. Well, next, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Wow. You guys, this one knocks me down. Be devoted. Do you know what that means? It means to cherish. And the illustration that it uses is the reciprocal cherishing of a child and a parent. Cherish. In the same way, I'm thinking of my daughter Amy with her son, Ridge, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me what you're asking of us? And it's one another, it's, it's us back and forth, you and I each, Wendell and I, to cherish each other. It envisions a community so intertwined and committed to the gospel that we're each committed to living this way. And and it, what are we being committed to? Brotherly love. Now it's a different word. Uh, phileo, Philadelphia. This love of the brethren, this affectionate Uh, family love. Wow. To cherish you, Todd. I've experienced that from you, by the way. You treat me like a big brother, like a dad, like like part of your family. To cherish these relationships here. This is why he talks to a local community because I can't, do this to the world at large, but I could do it here. To bring in the ones that you want to be part of or go where they are. But once you find that place, invest your entire lives to stand with and cherish them as parents adore kids and kids adore parents. May I tell you something? Um, while our elders have been fighting for you and our future and God's place in this community, I've watched you and you are doing this. You are proving out this verse. And I am blown away. I didn't know it would happen. Maybe we're being tested in a different way than we've ever been tested in our history. I'm watching you live out this verse when you go, we still don't have a preacher. We still don't have it. We still don't have... We don't, we, don't, we don't have... Instead of running away, you've drawn closer to each other. That's what I've watched. The real you longs to cherish fellow believers. And then it says "Prefer." one another in honor. The extended translation means to go before and show the way as a leader. So literally, then to try to outdo one another in showing respect and value. The result of true affection is that no one seeks their own honor or respect or position and everyone's willing to give honor to each other. Gosh, it's so much nicer when you get honor because you're given honor. When you're together, not to advance your point or position, but to hear and advance theirs. I'm in a group right now in the men's ministries uh, with uh, John Rhodes and Mark and Sean Thompson. And it has been one of those, I don't know if I'm just old and getting to experience it now, but... Um, I'm watching us. So we're very, very, very different. All four of us are very, very different. And yet I'm watching none of us try to win and none of us try to advance our position. And instead, we're listening to honor each other and protect each other and stand with each other and hear each other and be shaped by each other. And that says, don't be lazy in diligence. The real you longs to be intensely engaged. So it means don't lag behind, don't be slothful or late or sluggish. But instead, you get to be earnest and sincere. The real you longs to be still, no matter what age you are, no matter how much your feet hurt, intensely and vitally engaged. I watched my children and their spouses, especially Amy. Kaylee, Cody, Caleb, and Carly, I watched and their spouses be intentionally engaged to my birthday season. It's been my birthday month. It just ended. I may soon leave the planet because it doesn't, it doesn't get any better. Every single day, they made sure that somebody had a letter for me or a note and a gift at our front door. Every single day. And I would read it, and I'd sit there and stare at it. And they just, they did it all for that look on my face when I would stare at this letter, when people would affirm me and bless me, uh, who knew me and loved me. Many, many, many didn't, th- that I wished I'd gotten to have that happen from. There were a few wrong picks, I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> but, but, um, Their passion and exhausting behind-the-scenes work to make all that happen and honor me, it woke me up. Out of my passiveness because of pain, it woke me up. That's what this does. Be fervent in spirit. Fervent. This is so convicting, because fervent means to boil with heat to boil up. This is your burning longing to make Christ count in your daily life. And some of us read that and go, we're not even sure what to make of it. Maybe we didn't even know this was part of the relationship with Jesus thing. So that's why this word is here. To tell us what has happened to you and what God wants for this new life in you. So maybe we didn't read the fine print But the fine print is what makes this life worth living. This is the payoff, baby. (laughs) That I would burn with passion to live this life in Christ. Everything else has failed me. It is this fire that causes us to care about letting others know and see Jesus. See, I think we get quiet and passive and subdued if we're not sure that Jesus is much worth in another's life. I'm watching a husband right now and his wife burn fervently in the spirit. Uh, She's dying, and he's her husband. And I'm watching him write things about Jesus on Facebook that he's never written before. Because they are facing eternity. Is this real? Is Jesus true? Does it pay off? Where is she going? And they're they're both, both wild-eyed, young Jesus freaks right now. As she nears heaven, and he writes that he can't imagine how people do this meaningfully without Jesus. He's writing it unashamedly. So what are we burning hot about? And I know you think, no, 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 I thought those people were reared. Well, it's about time for you and I to embrace it and figure out how to do it without being weird. And we may be weird to burn hot, to look at this and say, God, I have to say, I'm not fervent in spirit. That's gone away somewhere. And God says, keep going, kid, keep going. I'm so proud of you. Keep going. Um, It's been gone for a long time. I got or mix keep going keep going you got it you're doing this i'm sorry i'm sorry that's man oh man god will you do that thing will you you do that beautiful thing where you, you you cause redemption by me trusting in your shed blood right now in this moment and make me clean again he goes got it it's done And will you do that in me again instead of these other things that I've been fervent about? Would you you do that in me because this is the real me? He goes, done. Now go out and play. Go out and have fun. Go out and try this out. Go go see what it would try. You're going to be immature in it, but try it out and see what it's like. The real you craves to have your spirit burning hot. And then finally, um, he says, all this... To serve the Lord. Hmm. To serve means literally to yield obedience to, to say, um, you're what my life's about. The Lord is the title given to God, the Messiah. Maybe this is at the crux. I only wanted to serve Him when I first came to Him. That was it. That's all I wanted to do. But time and pain and loss... Why would I serve someone who would allow da-da-da-da-da? You fill in the blank, and so here I am again. 65 years old with a Medicare card saying, is that true about me? Uh, God, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I have to face that. Um, maybe sometimes I don't see that well at all. God says, I know, kids, Okay. I'm not ashamed. I'm not disgusted. You're still right there in the front row. Don't you ever worry about that. Now go ahead and repent. Do that thing where you asked me that. Okay. I do, and he says, now dare to believe this, the real you longs to serve the Lord. It's who you are. Now go out and try the real you. Is there anyone in this room? Don't raise your hands. Is there anyone in this room who goes, "I don't think I have this new life." I, I'm, I'm hearing you read those words, and I, I wouldn't even know where to start. All I could do would be um, willpower. If that's true, you guys, um, this that we're describing of this coat and everything with it, this is describing this relationship that I can have. With the God of the universe. His name is Jesus. And he is, he is still to me the only, the only beautiful, beautiful, perfect, never failed me person I've ever known. He's the God of the universe, and he loves me. Me. No matter what I do, no matter what mess I get myself caught in. But he also, when he comes in, he is the Lord of the universe. He pays for your sins. He takes care of this. This is what we'll be doing in communion. And then he takes up residence and gives you power to live this life. Um, There's going to be baptisms on uh, April 1st, on Easter Sunday. And baptisms is simply, if you've never been baptized, you have to do it. It's what we do here on Easter. It is so, 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 so fun. And, and all you're doing is, is being dunked in the water and being raised. You get to give your testimony and say, Wow, I believe this now. I believe Jesus died on that cross to forgive me. Out of the whole world, he loved me. And wanted to forgive me and have this relationship with me. I'm all in. And if that's you, uh, you get to just say those words to him. Jesus, would you come into my heart and forgive my sins? I want to be yours. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you died for me. And I want to be your child. I promise you he will do it. And you'll have this new life. We can't wait for you to join us.